Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And Connor, this feels weird because we are doing this remotely. You and I are in different physical locations, which in several years of weekly podcasts, we've hardly ever done. Usually, Connor, uh, I can tell if your hair is on fire. I I throw (laughs) baking soda on it. Yeah. I can see the steam coming out of your ears when I say something that, you know, is my personal uh, heartfelt opinion. And I give you earplugs for the steam, but not today because I can't see the steam and I can't see the fire. Through the what are we going to do? Of technology, it's like uh, it's like I'm a ghost to the machine. I'm just a, <laughs> a, a voice. Well, I mean, just, now I'm free to truly say whatever I feel uh, please, without fear of reprisal. Please don't ghost your co-host. Okay, that's okay. all I ask. All right. So, what are we going to talk about on this exciting episode of Too Many Lawyers? The podcast, uh, as always, a fun human interest topic. Uh, If the judge says, what's wrong with you people to the lawyers in a case, you're in trouble. That's just that's just my uh, unsolicited advice and comment. So beyond that, three big topics. First, is it is it okay for lawmakers to expel colleagues from the institution? And of course, we're talking about that because Kevin DeLeon, city councilman in Los Angeles, said a bunch of horrible racist stuff. May his colleagues kick him off the council? Secondly, what about these legalized gambling propositions in California, Prop 26, 27? Are they going to cancel each other out? Are we going to have legalized gambling? No holds barred in California. And finally, the ultimate in inside legal baseball, the speech or debate clause of the Constitution. Something very important to Senator Lindsey Graham. And finally, of course, we're going to play Guess the Verdict at the end of the episode. Connor will be given the facts of a case. He'll guess the outcome. And the case, just so you'll know, is the case of the all-you-can-eat restaurant. So uh, are you feeling confident, Connor? Oh, yeah. These are great. The classic, uh, how much can you eat before they throw you out, I expect. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. All right. So let's get to the human interest story. If the judge says, what's wrong with you people? It's a real bad sign. Some of you folks have uh, followed maybe a big case up in um, Northern California, San Francisco Superior Court. It's trialed by the city of Modesto against Dow Chemical, the company everybody loves. Uh, 
uh, the makers of napalm in Vietnam. So uh, Modesto said, hey, Dow, um, it's costing millions to clean up your pollution. And so uh, give us the money. Dow Chemical said, are you kidding? And so they go to trial. Uh, in the middle of the trial, uh, the defense files a thousand pages of motions. And the judge says to the defense lawyers, what's wrong with you people? Well, when you're in a trial, as you know, Connor, you know, sometimes you, you feel so good about your case on the defense. You say, your honor, you know, no rational jury on the planet could vote for plaintiffs. So right. I'd like uh, you to grant a motion for directed verdict. Mm -hmm. So shouldn't they be able to have that right? If no reasonable jury could vote for the plaintiff, the city says Dow sold a dry, dry cleaning chemical to dry cleaners in Modesto and the soil and the groundwater is contaminated. So, you know, on the one hand, you want to uncover every possible opportunity to win. But I don't know if you've run into this situation, Connor, where a judge kind of loses patience. And, and uh, as I say, when he says something like, what's wrong with you people, I'd say you did something wrong. Oh, absolutely. Uh, people file these motions all the time ahead of trial, motions of various kinds. It could be a motion to, to have the judge do almost anything, but the most common ones and the ones that stack up in so many pages are often motions in limine, which are uh, abbreviated M-I-L. So a motion in limine in Latin uh, is to emotion, a motion to eliminate something, to preclude evidence or to preclude testimony. Uh, and you're trying to narrow the scope of the trial and preempt any controversies that might come up. Somebody is going to testify and say something not, they're not allowed to say. So you file a motion in limine ahead of time to say, judge, don't let them say this. They're put on notice. Uh, please uh, put them on notice, rather, please, that they can't say that or else it might be a mistrial if they uh, um, if they or rather a mistrial if they uh, if they say the wrong thing. But a thousand pages of those yeah. sorts of motions it's ahead overkill. of time. It's completely overkill. And when you when your judge is reacting that way, it's very clear that uh, you've lost the audience. And guess what? Especially in a bench trial, but even in a jury trial, the judge is one of your most important uh, audiences. You you need that person to be ruling on all of these motions, Illumini. And what do you think the judge is going to say? You think the, he's going to be or she's going to be uh, favorable to your position and your arguments if you're forcing him or her to read a thousand pages of almost by definition, unnecessary argument. Yeah. And, and I was talking about uh, the kind of motion you make when you know, you're halfway through the case or even more. And the defense says to the judge, your honor, please, this is such a sucky plaintiff's case. Just toss it out. Now, that's hard enough. But the motions in limine you refer to, often it refers to, hey, judge, let's keep some bad evidence, some prejudicial evidence, some irrelevant evidence that the other side is chomping at the bit to introduce. I want you to make a preliminary ruling that it should be out. Judges often hate it when lawyers file 5, 10, 20 of these because the lawyers have just they, they, they've worked it up and they want all the advantage they can going into the trial. And the judge's reaction is almost always, look, I will rule on your damned objections when you make them. We'll figure <laughs> right. it out as the trial goes on. And so right. judge, lawyers get into a lot of trouble yeah. for filing five, 10, a dozen motions in limine to exclude certain evidence when they really should have waited. So and honestly, this judge may have brought it on him or herself in this case, uh, not to have simply placed a, uh, a page limit on the motion that uh, that the the defense brought the defense brought this motion for a directed verdict as you described which you're right it to specifically zoom in on that kind of motion uh, that there are rules in place local rules for every jurisdiction and the court can say 
if you're going to file a motion for summary judgment, if you're going to file a motion for a directed verdict, if you're going to file a motion uh, of, for in limine or a motion of any other kind, it has to be within this page limit, for example. And you've got to go to the court's individual set of rules and make sure what that judge likes. So it's possible this judge didn't put a page limit on the motion for directed verdict. And then the, the defense lawyers just went wild and said, well, if there's no page limit, then I'm going to bill as many hours as my client will pay for because I like money. Yeah. And judges, you know, they have the power to set all sorts of interesting rules. For example, uh, in recent years, it's become more popular for a judge to say at the start of a trial, okay, each side is going to get 25 hours or 35 hours. And, you know, the, the lawyers start tearing their hair out and say, oh, your honor, I can't be limited. You know, what if the cross-examination goes long? But oftentimes they enforce it and the, the lawyers know they've got to talk faster. Uh, and it, it's just a way, it's a way to expedite things and streamline things. You know, in state court in California, if you file a motion before trial, a demur motion for summary judgment or whatever, uh, the judges have to hold hearings. You, the judge can't just say to the lawyers, hey, you know, briefs are really good. I'll get back to you when I feel like it. Uh, they have to hold the hearings. In federal court, however, the hearings may be canceled. And increasingly, as the years have passed in the last 10, 15 years, uh, it's pretty rare for federal judges to actually hold hearings on motions. So the lawyers, they file their fancy briefs, but then they don't get to get dressed up in their fancy suits or appear by Zoom. And a lot of lawyers feel kind of cheated. I don't know if sure. you've ever felt that, Connor, where you really wanted to get in there and mix it up, especially you know, if the tentative oh, ruling absolutely. is against you. Yeah, if there's a tentative ruling, then there's going to be a hearing and you can talk the judge out of it. If there's no hearing, you don't get the tentative ruling. The judge just says, I'll get back to you. And in federal court, uh, unlike state court where they don't get their paycheck if they don't make the ruling within 60 or 90 days in federal court, they can take all the time they want and yeah. annoys and a lot of lawyers. That's an effective system. I remember I, I worked for a an appeals uh, court or rather a court of appeals justice in California. Um, and uh, the, the constant conversation uh, running around uh, the, the office in terms of, you know, which cases needed responses and which cases needed to be uh, to rule to get ruled on was, oh, this is a pay case. We're running up on the we're running up on the, the time limit here where, where nobody's going to get their paycheck unless we make a ruling on this case. So, you know, hop to it. Let's go. So independently uh, wealthy justices of the California Court of Appeal probably uh, take their time. Because, sure, why not? Uh, who cares? needs a paycheck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, when we come back, uh, may uh, city council people be expelled by their colleagues? Uh, but first, Connor is going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you prefer. And while you're there getting this episode every week, uh, why don't you just hit that like, subscribe, or join button, depending on the platform. The button will be different, but the effect is the same. They will push the episode to your phone or your computer every single week so you don't have to remember it uh, or uh, download it ahead of time. Uh, it just shows up in your uh, podcast platform's inbox, uh, and you get served our lovely dulcet tones uh, every single Wednesday. So please do that. Every subscription, like, and comment helps us out, and we read them all. We'll be right back. 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, may a lawmaker be expelled by his or her colleagues? And, of course, we're thinking about this because of Kevin DeLeon. He's a city councilman in Los Angeles. He said some awful racist things on that tape that surfaced. I guess they still haven't figured out how the heck it surfaced, but it did. Uh, the uh, president of the council, um, she already resigned. But Kevin DeLeon is saying, doggone it, I'm so important. We, we have homelessness. Did you know about the homelessness problem? We have COVID. Heard about it, yeah. Well, only I, only I, Kevin DeLeon, tarnished council person, can solve these problems. So the question has arisen, why can't the council just kick the guy out? Well, the answer is they just can't. The L.A. City Charter says the only power that a council has is to suspend one of their colleagues while criminal charges are pending. Well, there are no criminal charges, and all they could do is suspend, not expel, which all of us who've had much trouble in the secondary and in the junior high uh, know the difference between expulsion and suspension. Uh, right. But it's interesting, Connor, because, and I didn't know all the details about this until I looked into it so I could uh, sound semi-intelligent, bloviating oh, yeah, in the air about this story. If you go to Congress, the Congress folks may kick out their members. And in fact, the U.S. Senate has expelled 15 members since mm -hmm. 1789. The House of Representatives, by two-thirds vote uh, for either of them, uh, can get rid of, of folks. Same thing in the legislature up in Sacramento. Uh, Assembly, Senate, if you're really naughty, your, your colleagues can kick you out, but not in L.A. City Council. I, I, guess, I, I guess I'm wondering, Connor, what you think of this, if you think the, the better system is to let the politicians uh, clean up their own house, and why do you think the city of L.A. would take a, a different route as opposed to Sacramento or Washington? Well, frankly, I, I expect that the city of L.A. is simply too young, a, 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 an institution and a body, to have had to uh, deal with this situation. As you referenced, the, the U.S. Senate, much older body, has uh, – faced this problem and expelled 15 members in the past. Well, the majority of those that they expelled in the past were uh, expelled after the Civil War, the American Civil War, and those uh, those members were expelled for uh, basically sedition, you know, conspiracy to uh, overthrow the United States government. And they were told, I'm so sorry, you, uh, we, we like you very much, of course, still, and we, we still want to be friends, stay in touch, etc. <laughs> but you can no longer be senators because you tried to overthrow the government. This conversation has come up now, of course, again, in connection. Did they with really say stay in touch? Because yeah, I'm not you know, sure that's historically accurate. That's a, it's an extrapolation, but it's, right. a, it's a, they could have. It's possible that they said. So this has, of course, come up again after January 6th. Uh, this isn't the only time we're talking about uh, expulsion from a, uh, a legislative body in connection with Kevin DeLeon. Who cares about Kevin? Let's talk about the senators who may have, you know, as people have uh, 
variously accused, uh, well, given tours to people who then engaged in the insurrection on January 6th ahead of time, showed them the layout. Maybe they, uh, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene were allegedly involved in the planning uh, of this process, or, or, or even people like Ginny Thomas were allegedly involved in the uh, planning or fomenting or both of this uh, process. And while Ginny's not a legislator, uh, her, her uh, husband, Clarence, could be expelled from the Supreme Court, theoretically, if he, he and his wife were found to both have been uh, engaged in some sort of insurrectionary activity, high drama. Yeah, at, yeah I at think, all well, of course, that would be impeachment by uh, the Senate as opposed to uh, the other eight justices kicking him off. Right. Either, and either way, the, he'd be out of a job. And in the Senate, the rules for expelling people are determined by the body itself. The Senate is the one that decides how this works. The, nothing in the Constitution says you can expel people from the Senate if uh, the other senators all get together and say they want to do it. Now, in California, the you know city council of Los Angeles uh, is is you know, it's a less powerful body than the Senate, and they don't all write the rules for themselves the way the Senate has a constitution to guide it, give it a framework, but it is then delegated all these powers to write all the rules for themselves. The city council, very it could be very strongly argued, is more constrained than the U.S. Senate. It doesn't get to write the rules for itself. It's got to go to the rest of the city uh, for authorization uh, to do anything well, you're, in the you're same right, way that you're the right Senate about that. But, you know, my problem, Connor, is I guess I don't really like the idea of politicians deciding if another person, one of their colleagues, should be kicked out, yeah. because I would worry that their motivation would be, "What's best for me? What are my colleagues? You know, am right. I going to get reelected? Yeah. You know, so I'm going to say yes or no to firing somebody. So for Sacramento and Washington to be able to kick out their own, I don't know. I almost would prefer to see like well, the recall deal. You you could recall Kevin DeLeon, or of yeah. course he could lose at the next election. But that seems yeah. a little less sort of drenched in politics. Yeah, the the recall system uh, in California that we see dramatic recalls of California governors, especially that is also fraught with political nonsense. Uh, but at least it's inherently more democratic, more directly democratic to have individual voters voting on it. The question being, of course, do we need to bother with the cost, massive millions or tens of millions of dollars to run a recall election on somebody like Kevin DeLeon? Uh, is he somehow an immediate you know, threat to, uh, to uh, Los Angeles you know, national security, mm -hmm. city security, uh, such that this is so urgent it can't wait till the next election cycle? when his blunder will catch up with him and the voters will inevitably vote him out. Uh, maybe, maybe it can't wait. Maybe it's important to strike while the iron is hot in terms of a controversy like this and, and punishing a bad actor and preventing him from staying in power after he's disgraced. Cause you know, lame duck politicians often do wacky things if they know they're on the way out the door, maybe yep. uh, who knows. So I can see the value of a recall election or just waiting for him to uh, to uh, get unseated in the next election. Yep. So speaking of spending hundreds of millions of dollars, let's go to topic number two, which is the gambling propositions on the California ballot yeah. coming up, uh, props 26 and 27. So, uh, man, I've never seen so many political ads. Well, Karen Bass and uh, Rick Caruso especially are challenging him, I guess. But, I mean, it's just gigantic. It's hundreds of millions of dollars because there are billions at stake. So Prop 26 lets Indian casinos do more. 
Prop 27 lets people gamble uh, on the internet, on their tablets and their iPhones and so on. 26 allows in-person sports betting only at casinos on tribal lands and, and a few horse racing tracks. Plus the craps is okay and roulette, which are currently banned in California. 90% of the profit is going to the tribes, 10% to the state of the 10%, 15% goes to gambling addiction programs, which is so funny to me. It's like saying, hey, heroin is now legal. We're going to tax it, and some of the taxes will go to programs to convince people don't take heroin. <laughs> Bizarro world. We're taking crazy pills, but that's 26. 27, it says yes to online sports gambling. You can place bets from any phone, computer, tablet, as long as you're in California and not on tribal land for some reason. And some of the money would go to fight homelessness. Uh, the, the weird thing, Connor, is that if they both win, 27 specifically says, hey, if 26 and 27 win, we're okay with that. But 26 says it leaves the Indian casinos or the backers of the casinos, gives them the right to say, well, we got more votes than the, the professional gamblers from Vegas who want you to spend all your money gambling on your iPhone. Uh, but, but that can't go. We're not, that should not proceed because we really want to limit the gambling to the casinos on tribal land. So right. they're fighting each other. And at this point, they're both between 35 and 40% yes. And so they're almost certainly both going to lose, partly because, you know, it's a circular firing squad. I mean, yeah. It's they've very weird. They've certainly divided, I think, uh, allegiances a little bit um, in terms of the gambling fans or maybe deregulation fans out there who would like to see these big corporations start to make more and more money and, uh, off of people having in more and more access uh, to gambling online uh, or on, on tribal lands in certain circumstances and on different events like sports gambling. Um, this is uh, it's a strange outcome for sure. In California, the rules say if a uh, proposition, uh, if two propositions that conflict with one another, and very often they're much more directly in conflict than mm -hmm. these two are, for example, a, a, a proposition might say end capital punishment. No one shall be uh, executed for capital punishment. And the other might say enshrine capital punishment as a, a constitutional uh, amendment. To yeah, the what if they both pass? <laughs> Right. And uh, in that context, there is a provision uh, in California that says the uh, proposition with the higher percentage of yes votes passes and wins. So if you get a 90 percent prop and a 91 percent prop, they both pass. The 90 percent proposition does not go into effect. Good but, news and bad news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How you won big. Be? You lost. <laughs> Sorry. Not big enough. So in this context, it's very uh, uh, strange and even more complicated because they're not technically in conflict with one another. And it exposes the bizarre nature of the California proposition system that we try to do fake dem direct democracy on individual issues, which nobody else really does. Most states do not have a proposition system. Most countries in the world certainly don't vote on propositions in this way, except under very limited circumstances. We generally have representative democracy. We send representatives People, politicians who are responsive to their constituents uh, and lobbyists uh, to Washington or Sacramento or wherever else to make these sorts of decisions. But when we ask individuals to vote on specific topics, 
inevitably you're going to get confusion and, and weirdness like this. You've got well, two let, propositions. Let me give the dissenting view, Connor, and, okay. and I don't want to cause steam to come out of the ears or the not hair at all, on not fire. At all. But I would just say this. With respect to the proposition system um, in California, mm -hmm. free at last, free at last. Thank God <laughs> Almighty, we are free at last from the tyranny of the one-party system. True. What do you have here? Oh, I don't know. Affirmative action and capital punishment, both of which have come out on the right conservative side of the ledger in the last several years in California. And if it had been up to the legislature, let me see, how would how would three-quarters Democrats in the Assembly and Senate come out on well, capital punishment and affirmative. Well, who knows? We'll just yeah, never know yeah. because we have the thank God we've got the proposition. So I mean, I, I hear guess we you. just disagree. I absolutely, and and there's nothing wrong with disagreeing on this uh, this issue because this is not some you know this is not like disagreeing on whether proposition systems uh, are good makes you a good or a bad person. It's not like even we're really arguing about different outcomes specifically. You're just reacting to the reality that with an overwhelming uh, democratic majority in a state, there's simply no way for uh, an individual issue that might that the Democratic Party might be wrong on, but to get over. Overturned. I mean, it, it is the average Democratic voter um, or even an extreme liberal, filthy uh, commie pinko like myself, uh, are, am I going to deviate from voting as left as possible and actually vote for a Republican, even if I disagree with the Democrats on one specific issue? No way. It, it's not worth it. No one specific issue is big and important enough to derail all of the massively important uh, progressive uh, aspects uh, of the Democratic Party platform that uh, that appeal to me and to most voters in California, even if I want legalized gambling, uh, sports betting or something, that's never going to be compelling enough to actually get me to vote for a conservative for governor or so even Connor, state senator. No way. So, Connor, so I you, get it. You mentioned a minute ago there are good people and bad people. And I want to tell you who the good people are. Oh, OK, good. The good people are the folks who are going to listen through this final break in order to hear on the other side of the break, us discuss the speech or debate clause. <laughs> now that, that is proof that you're a good person. I would plus, say it's, it's the ambient of segments. Plus, they get, guess the verdict, America's favorite game show. That'll so wake we're going to take one final pause and we'll be right back on Too Many Lawyers. I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So our final big topic uh, relates to the speech or debate clause. What could be more fascinating? So here's the, here's the background. Georgia grand jury is looking into whether Trump broke the law when he tried to convince officials to find the votes he needed to win Georgia. All I need is 11,873 or whatever. Just so they send him. So they send a subpoena to Lindsey Graham because he had phone calls with Georgia's Secretary of State, and he suggested in those phone calls, maybe you could reject mail-in votes from counties with high rates of dubious signatures. So they'd like to talk to Lindsey Graham about this. Yeah. He fights the subpoena in court saying, there is a constitutional clause, Article 1, Section 6 of the Constitution says, members of Congress shall not be questioned in any other place for any speech or debate in the House or the Senate. And the clause 
generally protect senators and House representatives from criminal prosecutions or civil lawsuits related to their legislative work, which makes sense. You know, you want these guys and gals to be, be doing their job without having to look over their shoulder. Am I, I going to be sued by some maniac and, and spend all my money on legal fees? No. So his argument is he was working on Senate stuff. He's a chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he had these conversations his critics say, uh, nice try, Lindsay. Right. But, you know, the fact of the matter is you were going beyond your legislative work. You were trying to help Trump. You got any prediction, Connor, as to how the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, which is actually uh, sitting on this right now, they may decide in the next week or so how they may uh, address this question? Yeah, it. I think it's Personally, I think it's a virtual guarantee that the conservative supermajority will slap down uh, the attempt to force uh, Lindsey Graham to testify. Uh, I think that uh, Clarence Thomas and and friends um, uh, know that this is a low stakes enough encounter uh, with the uh, between Graham and the judiciary and uh, the the Senate that. they know they can get away with protecting Graham, and so they will. I think that's a simple political calculus on their ha- on their behalf uh, that this is not going to get enough attention. It's not going to draw enough fire. Uh, it'll be okay, and it'll protect the conservatives uh, ahead of the midterms and then in 2024 so that they won't look so bad because, of course, they are connected to Trump's uh, – uh, 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 through people like Lindsey Graham, directly connected to Trump's attempt to overthrow the U.S. government's uh, – peaceful transfer of power and become a dictator, right? That That's bad. That's bad for your PR. It's bad for your image. They don't want that. Um, and they don't want Lindsey Graham to have to testify under oath about any of that. And so they're going to, uh, they're going to do it. It's a purely political uh, I think, outcome. I think you're right. I think your prediction is going to prove to be true, but I, I will say this Supreme court owes Lindsey Graham one Connor. Oh yeah. They, re- they really do. Because you may remember several years ago, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was giving a speech yes. to a group and yes. she was praising the women of the United States Senate because, you know, the women's rights was her big thing for her uh, amazing career. Mm-hmm. And she was praising, she was listing off the, the women in the U.S. Senate and she listed Diane Feinstein and she listed Lindsey Graham and she listed Susan Call. Oh, my goodness. Wait, yeah. Lindsey's not a woman. Could have happened to anybody. But it to happened to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Could have been, it could have happened to Notorious anybody. RBG. Yeah. All right. It is time, Connor, for you to shine uh, in the guess the verdict game. I give the facts of a real life case to Connor, and he guesses the outcome. Are you prepared? Are your loins girded? I was born ready. That's gross. Please never say that again. Hey, it's just an expression. It wasn't an artful expression. <laughs> so Alan Wald. Uh, Connor visits the Moonraker restaurant in San Mateo County, California, where an all-you-can-eat deal is advertised. You've Ooh. seen these all-you-can-eat deals at restaurants? Sure. Yeah. After four trips to the oyster bar, Alan Wald has consumed 75 oysters, and the manager cuts him off. The manager says, sir, read the sign. That's all you can eat. Pretty manager, huh? <laughs> so Alan Wall does not take this lying down. He takes his very full stomach down to the courthouse, files his uh, filing fee for a lawsuit, and he sues the Moonraker restaurant. Connor, 
who do you think won this titanic legal battle? I love it. I think that's a great that's a great quote by the manager. That's all you can eat. That's a great <laughs> rephrasing. It's it, it calls to mind, brings to mind the the classic Simpsons bit with the, the my everyone's favorite lawyer uh, Lionel Hutz. Uh, Lionel uh, has I on that his was card, Jackie Childs. Oh no, that was Seinfeld. Lionel has a business card and it says uh, commission, uh, no money down. And uh, they go into his office uh, and they try to retain his services uh, for on commission for no money down. And he says, <laughs> what? What's that say? And he goes, no, no, no. And he grabs a pen. And after commission, he writes question mark. And then he writes no comma money down. So it says commission. <laughs> I no, love it. Money down. <laughs> it's exactly the same as that's all you can eat. bud. and in this case, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, all you can eat is all you can eat. This guy uh, will be his rights will be vindicated. Uh, and he would uh, he should be able to eat all he can eat. But 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 uh, the reality of the situation is that this is a contract. This is a, a contract law of one on one. Your the offer is for all you can eat and the acceptance uh, is uh, him showing up and handing over his money. And so uh, the judge is going to look at this uh, contract that is offered for an all you can eat dinner and say, is this a reasonable interpretation uh, of the text of our contract here, which is all you can eat, 16 bucks or whatever? Uh, I mean, if they got an oyster bar, maybe it's 25 bucks. Who knows? Uh, for instance, uh, there are there's always unwritten rules in a contract that 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 escape the, the 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 forward thinking parties who plan for these things. What if a guy shows up with a a, a Ford F-150 with an empty back and he you know chucks it full of ice and starts shoveling oysters from the bar into the Ford F-150? The manager says, "Hold up, buddy," and he says, "Hey." I'm going to eat these over the next six months. It's all I can eat. Yeah, so, that would that would be an unreasonable interpretation of the contract, all, right? Right. Who says all you can eat means uh, on the day that I uh, drop $16 cash on the barrel head? So you have to do interpretation of the contract to decide the reasonable way to think this uh, contract through. And how? what were the parties really thinking at the time? Or, uh, you know, what were the, the, uh, the what are the normal rules of all you can eat restaurants? Well, they say you, you can't leave the premises, for example, and come back tomorrow. These are all different interpretations. Uh, so in this case, I think that the judge um, could theoretically look at this and say, um, well, you know, there's a, there's a, there's all you can eat and there's all you can physically uh, jam in your gullet because you're some <laughs> sort of genetic freak who's going to run this guy out of business and you're taking you're all Mr. the Mr. Kobayashi, winner of the hot dog eating contest. Right. You know, you're, you're leaving no oysters for anybody else. It's not fair and it's not reasonable and no one should eat more than 75 oysters. That's inhuman. So it's possible that he could go the other way. I just don't, don't think he will. I think all you can eat is all you can eat and judges like bright line rules and he's going to say look give this man a free dinner you're right alan wald won nice. now, he only won a hundred dollars but still connor this goes in the, the big w column for you absolutely and i think that's you know it's probably to compensate him for his emotional distress not eating not getting to eat that 76th oyster i mean that that keeps you up at night <laughs> exactly all right, we did it. Another episode in the books. Uh, meantime, Harvey Weinstein and Danny Masterson are going through uh, great, uh, great uh, troubles and trials in uh, Los Angeles. We'll be reporting on those in future weeks. Thanks to everybody for checking out Too Many Lawyers. See you next time. <laughs>